Hey, this is Michael O'Neill from the Solopreneur Hour, and you are listening to Labrador Leadership with Bob Nolly. Oh, that was cool. Live from the RVA, this is the Labrador Leadership Podcast with Dr. Bob Nolly. The program that brings you the leadership skills that can make you the most authentic, approachable leader for the sake of your business, your team, and for you. Now, here's Bob. Hey there, folks. Once again, how are you, ladies and gentlemen from all across the land? You have stumbled upon episode 28 of the Labrador Leadership Podcast. You can find the notes at labradorleadership.com slash 28. Kind of makes sense, huh? If I could keep the numbers straight, we'd do better with that. Guess who's back? Alex, how are you? Hello, I'm great, Bob. How are you? Apparently, everybody's just missed you. You know, I'm slowly kind of getting the message. Bob, don't go on the air if Alex isn't with you. (laughs) Oh, stop. Sorry. I had to take a little time off. That's all right. That's all right. You know, what do they say in, in press? The media just goes, she's on special assignment. <laughs> yeah. I like yeah, that. Was. I wish I was somebody or someplace more interesting than, um, you know, in my bed, you know, recovering. But uh, special assignment, same difference. Special assignment. That's right. And now we've really <laughs> piqued everybody's, uh, everybody's interest at this point. No, we'll never tell. We'll never tell. Hey, we started talking about uh, conflict and negotiation. You know, we tied that around a couple of episodes on stress, which was uh, which was really good. We've got some great feedback there. And uh, let can we do a little bit more about that? Yeah, I like that. I think it's an it's an important topic, and there's a lot of different um, angles that you can kind of take with it. So I think it's important we we spend a couple of weeks on it, kind of muck through it. Yeah, I, you know, folks, I don't mean to make it sound like a semester course, but it's just worth uh, a little bit more conversation here, I think. Particularly, you know, when we've brought up statistics like, you know, maybe you spend three hours, you know, out of your work week dealing with conflict, not productively, just, you know, dealing and adjusting to the conflict. So that's something you, if, if you can't avoid it, you want to become more agile with it or more effective in, in how you handle it. And uh, things like uh, that your interpersonal skills now account for 85% of your success in life. Wow. I mean, uh, on the last episode, I bought up those two numbers and I'm just still just trying to drive that point home. So, you know, in the workplace, you know, it's very easy, I think, to get lost and have an argument move into a conflict. And I think there's a toolbox a skill set that can can arm you to make your arguments more productive. And arm is not the right word there, I think. <laughs> that can, you know, there there's there's skills you can do. And like everything we've talked about here, everything we talked about on this show, uh, I talked to somebody recently and they said, you know, you all do lots of good stuff, but sometimes I feel like uh I, I could read it in a book and, and learn it. And uh, this is a point in the last show I went off on a little bit. And you really can't. You, ha- you have to practice it. And that's why we keep bringing it up to keep it in the forefront of your mind a bit so you can practice it when the opportunity arises. Uh, so let's go on with making a productive argument today. Uh, from your perspective, what what's at the top of the list? I think it's um, it's really important to kind of nip it in the butt. You know, and I think that if if there is a, an argument that needs to happen or a conflict occurring, 
you kind of just have to um, address it in the most appropriate uh, uh, manner. And also you have to kind of keep it uh, timely because you wait until the next week and that, that point could be moot at that point. You know, it's, it's not um, going to be anything that is at the forefront of your mind anymore. And you may forget the points that you wanted to make. You may forget why you had the, the conflict in the first place. You can just go ahead and make it um, uh, kind of happen then or, or, or step aside and, and say, all right, well, this is the appropriate time. Um, you know, you have the conversation, you make the point, and then you kind of just then can get, move on with it. It doesn't need to kind of snowball. So if you can nip it in the butt, then I think that's the most important. Yeah, well, you brought up the word yeah. snowball, and if you see that happening, clearly you've you know you got to find a better way to handle that. I think the uh, I, I think you know we've talked about we talked about the dual concerns model and saying you know when you have a conflict, you're worried about two things. Uh, you're worried about how much you care about the issue and how much you care about the party on the other side. And one of the strategies that comes out of that is to walk away from it. But here you don't want to make sure you walk away from it because you send a message that the issue isn't important to you. And I don't think that's what you want to do here. You may have to step away just long enough to perhaps cool off, perhaps, I mean, a short cooling off period, or you may just not be prepared to, if it's a complex issue, you may not be able to be prepared to talk about it right then. And also you don't really need to include parties that don't need to be privy to the conversation. So I think, you know, taking a little bit of time and then stepping back and saying, Hey, you know, could you meet me at this time um, to discuss this certain uh, topic? You know, that way you can kind of get a private conversation with who the conversation really needs to um, apply to rather than kind of blowing up and, and having like a water cooler argument in front of, you know, 20 of your staff. Yeah. And that's uh, the phrase you see in a lot of meetings and uh, conference calls as well, as we, so many people work on virtual teams now is uh, let's do some offline on this. (laughs) And that's kind of like another way to say, uh, let's not do this in front of everybody here now. Let's not air the dirty laundry. You know, I'd never heard that before. Yeah. Let's do some offline. I like that. Even it means, you know, get on another conference call or another hangout or another tech tool. We do some offline. I don't know if it's in the Oxford English Dictionary yet, but yeah, it'll <laughs> show up soon. Okay, so number one, timely. That's good. Uh, I'll throw in one here. Uh, let the argument be like a tennis match. So when you make your point, you, uh, you want to make your point and let the other side talk. Let the other side talk, talk, uh, lob your argument over the fence. Uh, who, uh, Sherry Alexander wrote this piece for entrepreneur and she talks about, let it be like a tennis match and lob it over. And the thing we just, it's so hard for, it's hard for me. And I know other people have told me it's hard for them as well. When they start talking, you want to jump in there and like not direct them, but make sure they understand where you are coming from. And you respond very quickly. You've got to wait for them to lob back. Because right. if, if the two of you are there, you know, generally in, in good, with good intentions, keep cutting each other off. Uh, all of a sudden you start thinking last man talking wins or whoever talks the most wins. 
or whoever speaks the loudest. Yeah. Would. So that's you're not having a, a productive argument then. You're, gee, that's almost bullying. I think that you know, kind of um, restraining your emotions and exhibiting patience is a huge. Um, it, it it can be really be beneficial to to an argument, you know, and using kind of a more strategic approach, kind of thinking of it as I'm not going into this as an argument. Um, I'm going into this negotiating a conflict. Yeah. And so if you can put that kind of strate- strategic hat on your argument then. And I, I think that that really is helpful um, for, and kind of keeps things uh, diplomatic. And the, uh, you know, we've talked so much about the dual concerns model and, you know, tactics and, conflict and negotiation. So, you know, to talk about this in terms of a strategy, that that puts a little bit of an edge on it. It does call for patience. And, you know, in this in this world where we're moving faster, faster, faster. Oh, I'm snapping my fingers, sorry. You know, <laughs> to do things faster, faster, faster with a sense of urgency. You know, patience is not a natural response more often than not, I've found. You, have you seen the same thing? I have a, a terrible problem being patient. You know, I can hardly half of the half of the podcasts that we do. I have to sit back and kind of try not to jump in the middle of a sentence, and it's and it's so hard. You, you know, because we hey Bob, what a blithering uh, idiot! What are you talking about? <laughs> well, you tell you, you know, so I don't, I can't see if your your mouth is about to move or if you're <laughs> you're pursing your lips as if you're in thought and and kind of completing um. A thought to to make in the next statement. So patience isn't a virtue that I can say I come by um, honestly or naturally in any way. But I do try to be a little bit more patient, especially in um, you know a professional setting. Yeah, that that's good. And you know when you when you get into situations like this and you just spend like ten percent of your brain to just set it up in a corner and like observe and record what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you could do that, this sounds kind of schizoid, but if you can, when it's over, just go back and think about what you did. That'll, that's a source of growth for you. Yeah. Right, and set, I think are, that would actually help a lot of people check in on their body language too, when they're, you know, cause some people can have a very closed off stance or a very aggressive stance when it comes to, um, you know, stating your case, you know, if you feel very strongly about something, you can kind of like lurch forward or cross your arms or, or, or be kind of more reserved or aggressive. And I think that if you can kind of take stock of what you're doing in the moment and kind of keep that very patient mindset, I, I think it's, it's helpful kind of across the board, um, especially in, in arguments and conflicts. Yeah, you know, that's a great point, body language. And uh, God, I don't know how we'll ever do a podcast on body language. We do need some visuals there. Now we'll work it out. <laughs> well, we'll work it out. We're creative. Uh, you mentioned crossing your arms. I, I have found, and I don't know why, it's some physiological reason, that when I'm standing sometimes, crossing my arms seems comfortable. Yeah. And when I've been in an opportunity, you know, to whether it's been in a live argument, so to speak, uh, I, I've just let people off by doing that. I've, I've just, they, they just, just went off and went, well, you seem really receptive to what I have to say. I went, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm just uncomfortably go. It's subliminal. If you fold your arms, you know, that's how you actually feel. No, it's because, you know, my back hurts a little bit. I'm just trying to get a little bit of a stretch here, but, but I'm, I'm I've had to learn this and you know, my hands are busy. So I think when I folded <laughs> my arms, it was a tool for me to keep my hands from being busy and a, a distraction. 
Yeah, but apparently, no, just don't fold them. That's what I have to do. I still have to work on that. Yeah, I'm not very good at it either because it, it becomes uh, it's a thing of comfort. So if I um, am if I'm kind of having a good time in a conversation, I'll be folding my arms too. So yeah, I mean, body language can be uh, kind of perceived by um, your peers in in lots of negative ways, and so it's it's good to take stock of those, especially in an argument. Yeah. Oh. Uh, okay. So we said do it timely and I came back with a tennis match. What do you got? Um, I think that you have to know that you're kind of looking for a compromise or an understanding at the end of it. You know, you can't just argue for the sake of arguing. Uh, you know, it's not like, um, I'm your bratty teenage daughter and you're, <laughs> and you're just, you just happen to be wearing a three piece business suit. You know, you can't just yell until you're blue in the face about nothing. Um, you really have to, you know, after you make it timely, after you uh, make it like a tennis match, you really have to realize that at the end, you know, there there is not going to be a winner or a loser per se. But you have to understand that, um, you know, you're both kind of having this argument to reach a common point. Yeah, it this and I'm going back to patience, too, and uh, and being quiet when you uh, are trying to seek an understanding. uh Oh, I was talking to somebody today and I was talking about the nature of the apology. And when you apologize, you have to say uh, about about what I said this morning in that meeting, I I am sorry. And when you say that, you have to hit the period. You have to hit the period, I'm sorry, period. And a lot of people have a tough time doing that and want to say, I'm sorry, but I was late for work this morning and the car broke down. Yeah, that butt just kills everything. That butt will negate the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, you can you can explain later. You go, I- I'm very sorry. I'm so sorry that happened. And without the butt, you could go. I was I was not at my best. I had a lot of things going on this morning. It goes right back to the fundamental attribution error. We do, we always attribute things to people's internal workings, mm-hmm. not realizing the environments at work at them all the time, and it makes them act that way. Right. So. You know, so when you apologize, you just want to hit that period. So if you're having this argument and you keep wanting to go, yeah, but, yeah, but, <laughs> while the other person's talking, you're not, you're not trying to move to an understanding at all. You're just like tallying up the yeah, buts. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're tallying up the yeah, buts, but you're also kind of digging yourself deeper and deeper into a hole. And so I think that, um, you know, a lot of people, especially, you know, people that are just kind of getting into, uh, their professional career. I mean, I have a huge problem when, um, you know, I'm critiqued or given criticism. I'll sort of, uh, not combat the answer, but I'll try to explain to them why I made a decision that I made. And, you know, over the past probably five to seven years, I've had to catch myself so many times when I want to kind of like get on a desk and burn my bra in the middle of the office and explain to them (laughs) why I did things the way I did rather than the way they thought I should do it. And I, I just sort of have to accept that, you know, I'm not going to always be right. My way isn't always going to be right. And so, you know, if I've got somebody higher up than me that's giving me criticism or, or coming to me with a problem, I just have to be receptive and I have to be understanding and I have to make them realize that I will kind of work towards that not happening again. Yeah, good on you. That's a good one. Uh, one strategy that I use, it, it takes some practice. I'm still learning it, practicing it. Ask questions here when you're seeking an understanding. When you've learned to choke down the yes buts and not get up on the desk and burn your lingerie. Uh, 
you know, <laughs> ask questions. Well, well, how could I have done that better? I mean, I asked that out loud. What would you have, what do you see me doing that would have been more productive? And, you know, did you do everything you could, you know, if somebody says you just trashed that sales call, what were you thinking about? And I you go, what do you think I should have done? You know, ask that question back, just turn it right back on them. And they have to put more energy into their response and slowly both of you get fused down on the level where you can have the more patient, constructive argument uh, that, that you're trying to get to. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Another one. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. Don't, don't, don't take it to the realm of being personal. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't it wants, it's a line somewhere and you don't quite know where it is, but you sure as heck know when you've crossed it. And then it's like the gloves are off. Yeah. And you, you just can't, uh, you can't let a personal jab in a professional argument affect you either. I mean, you know, if you're on the receiving end of it, you know, I've seen people take a, uh, a professional critique and, you know, turn to tears. Whereas I've seen people take or personal hits on their, their character and they just kind of, they take it, you know, they take it and they, they swallow it and they, you know, keep it moving. And I think that if you can kind of keep that conversation very professional rather than making or taking it personally. Yeah, that, make, that's great. That is absolutely right. Because, you, you know, if if you come to me and say, hey, Alex, I hated this this report that you wrote or I hated the, the way that you approached this client and I start crying. I mean, it's not, you, you know, it's not anything that um, can be helped. Your emotions are, you know, sort of part of your being and, and you can't ask someone to not be sensitive. You can't ask someone to, to not take things personally. Um, but you know, if you, if you can just kind of hold back on the personal lashings, you're having a professional conversation, it'll just make for the argument to, uh, kind of, uh, go back and forth as a tennis match more, more easily. You know, you don't want to kind of trudge through all this personal baggage if you need to have a professional conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And, uh, you know, some guys that have been, folks that have been doing podcasts are like in episode number of hundreds, uh, hundreds upon hundreds at this point can go, yeah, you remember we talked about assessment and, and receiving feedback back in episode number 195? Oh, my. Well, we've already talked about this back then. I've only got 28 to deal with, and I can't remember I which one. I can't even remember which podcast goes with which number. I mean, you know, <laughs> the topics for me, I'm like, which, wait, did we do that? And, or yeah, but me. somewhere along the line, we talked about being able to receive ungrounded feedback and to have that mm -hmm. mantra going in your head, you know, thank you for the assessment. It's only an assessment. You know, that 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 tool is going to come to bear there, too. OK, uh, what's another tip? Uh, I really think that, um, you know, if you say uh, if you say something, it really needs to be backed up by facts. So visuals, statistics. Um, you know, if, if you can pull any sort of um, analytics on a situation, then uh, that's going to kind of help you back up your argument to where you can just say, look, the proof is in the pudding. Here are the numbers. You know, here are the stats. And, you know, do you think that we should probably do these things differently? So, you know, I really think that that sort of I I love a, a good, you know, chart, a good graph. I mean, I, I think 
when I look at analytics, it uh, kind of makes everything make a little bit more sense to me. And I'm sort of a very um, uh, practical person. So if I have it in front of me, I'm going to say, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I see it right there. That's why that's why Staples sell so many whiteboards. That's how important using visuals is. Oh, yeah. And and sometimes you just can't, you know, you'll be in a, in a meeting, in a, crea- a creative meeting, and the whiteboard ends up looking like a football play. Yeah. And it's just all over the place. But when you have that many different ideas coming together, even more than one person's ideas coming together, you have to kind of map it out. So I think that visuals and statistics can help in these um, in, in conflict re- resolution just because uh, simply to see it in front of your face, you know, verbally, eh, not everybody's as receptive to, uh, you know, verbal criticism or, or um, kind of a, a verbal, hey, we need to turn this around. But if they have it in front of them in black and white or white and purple or whatever color you use on your whiteboard these days. Um, you, you know, I think it, it's definitely going to speak louder than words. It's kind of drive your point home. So if you can have these things that back up your argument, you don't have to do so much with your mouth, which is nice. Yeah, absolutely. And even if it's just simple, even if it's just a simple, not necessarily a graph or a diagram, but just like a graphic, like you draw a line and you put points on one side of the line and other points on the other side of the line and just almost like a little bit of a mind map starts to develop. And all of a sudden you are talking to the graphic and it helps you keep from making it personal. I like that a lot. Yeah. I like like that a lot. You could be productive in an argument also when you get to the point when you could talk about what you really want, when you could talk about what I'm really interested in. Think about that phrase. What I, what matters to me most. I sound like something out of the Godfather. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't want my father bothered. You know, th- that what I'm really seeking is a way to solve this problem or a way to get this done. And if we could do that and give you, let's, and you know, that's the whole, the whole crux of uh, integrated negotiation is trying to create value for both sides. And if you don't know that that's the kind of negotiation you're in, you play your cards a bit too close to the chest and you, you kind of do that mystical dance, trying to figure out what the other one really wants. But with somebody that's a coworker and you're trying to solve a problem, the quicker you can get to that point, here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I really want. You know, you're, you tend to be more successful there. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Frame your argument about what you want. That's good. Uh, we got another one and we finished up that list. Yeah. Well, and, you know, framing your argument, you're just choosing your battles. I mean, that's just, that's kind of uh, a no brainer. But I really think that, uh, you know, heading up, how to kind of have this productive, um, you know, argument is, is really that you, you're not always going to win and it doesn't have to end in a win or lose. It's not an actual game of tennis match or or an actual match of tennis. I'm sorry. Um, you know, nobody has to win. It's going to end either way. You're going to end up learning more about, you know, what the other person, um, you know, believes that the outcome should be, you're going to be uh, a little bit more enlightened on the situation. You have to just know when to fold and listen. And I, and I don't mean to fold your arms and sit back and kind of like, you know, roll yeah. your eyes and say, all right, man, whatever you say goes, because I've been there, you know, I, I know that at some point it's just beating your head into a wall and you just want to give in, but you know, you don't always have to win. If you can make someone kind of uh, recognize your point and kind of see it eye to eye, you know, it doesn't have, they don't have to agree with you at at the end of the day. 
Yeah, uh, Sherry writes in this column here, leadership isn't about being right all the time. Right. Right. It's not a scorecard. As we've just said recently, those skills that you, if you have them, you can never be replaced by anybody or robot for is your negotiation skills. And so being able to, to, to feed conversations that are integrative and create value. I mean, you're a champ. You're a champ. Right. Hey, man, we did it. Boy, this was an adult dose. Yeah. This is a big one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> folks, you've been listening to Labrador Leadership. Dot com episode number 28. You can find it at labradorleadership.com slash 28. Next time we have a big event here. Oh my gosh. You know, we started everything off when we had Michael O'Neill with us from the Solopreneur Hour. On our next episode, John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire will be here to talk about leadership. I can't wait. How does that sound? Eh? That's good. Yeah, it's going to be great. Thanks, folks. Have a great week. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast. For the sake of all the special people in your life that deserve you to be the best leader you can be. Connect with us on our website at labradorleadership.com, on Facebook at Labrador Leadership, and on Twitter at Lab Leadership. Now, here's a final thought from Bob. From Bob, Bob, Bob. Many thanks to Sherry Alexander for our article on the art of having a productive argument. See the link to that in the show notes. Remember, don't make it personal. Do make it timely and try to create value for both sides. Get that done. You're a champ. Have a great week, everybody. See ya.